On November the 24th, 1971, at 8.12 p.m., 10,000 feet above southwestern Washington state, a man forced open the rear doorway of a commercial airliner. Buffeted by winds gusting in excess of 200 miles per hour, he stood briefly on a rear stairwell. The man, known only as D.B. Cooper, leapt into space in the unknown. by the good people at the Podbelly Network. My fellow Americans, we are fortunate to be alive. They need them to protect us from the number one killer in history. Protect us from the central university. A study on why everybody welcome to episode 308 of the r and jacob do america podcast i am your host in the place to be mr jacob p and sitting right across from me is the brown recluse mr archo art say hello to the millions and millions what's up what's up y'all guys uh before we get started guys go to kmancoffee.com check out their entire inventory of coffee beans they got the hibiscus tea they got the cacao butter they got the natural cold brew they got everything your heart desires to wake your ass up and um, use promo code America at checkout to receive 15% off. It's summertime, they got hats. Get that sun out of your eyes. Uh, you can use promo code America at checkout to receive 15% off that too. Tell them Art Jacob sent you. Take a picture of yourself wearing the hats, drinking the coffee. Tag us, tag them. They appreciate it. We appreciate it. And speaking of sponsors, guys, uh, make sure you guys head on over to sucreapparel.com where the great. And powerful Nicole Smith-Bosch has put together an illustrious array of merchandise for your consumption pleasure. So, uh, like Art said, summer is approaching very fast. Uh, we are now in the month of April. It doesn't feel like it. It's still like 30 degrees outside. Yeah, I went grocery shopping last night. It was freezing as yeah. fuck, dude. I was like, hey, well, isn't the Easter Bunny supposed to be knocking at my door like in a week or so? Uh, but anyways, uh, with that said, if you live in Bakersfield... Uh, it'll be 108 degrees very quickly. So uh, why not get why not treat yourself for Easter uh, by heading over to SucreApparel.com. Uh, check out all the great T-shirts, tank tops, hoodies, everything that Nicole has put together. Uh, but before you hit checkout, enter, entering your credit card information, your crypto information, or how, however you buy things online. Guys, I need everyone to enter promo code Art and Jacob and the great and powerful Nicole Smith-Bosch will give you 10% off your entire purchase but guys before we jump into the topic we got a very special guest making what you said was your uh fourth oh. appearance on the podcast yes yes fourth time four. Ooh, fourth time around the sun dude. the four horsemen if you will of the apocalypse guys put your hands together for the great and powerful mr vincent cruz 
Hello? <laughs> Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain? Not that uh, powerful. <laughs> Vincent, the beast crew. Oh, there you go. The great beast. No, that, that doesn't work for me either. Because then <laughs> anybody who's into me, they're going to be, by definition, into bestiality. And I don't oh, want yeah, any of that. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Vincent does not FM animals. Let's just put it out there. YouTube. FM? F animals. Oh, I, was, uh, I was like, what does that mean? We're still in the first minute on our YouTube. We don't oh, want to yeah, get demonetized yeah, yeah, yeah. or We keep it pretty PG-13. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do not F animals. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, guys, we're not, t- we're not here to talk about bestiality all day. <laughs> we're Vincent- furries now. That's another topic for another yes. day. That <laughs> is an interesting topic. Yeah. Uh, but we're not here to talk about all that today. Vincent, this <clears throat> is your topic that you suggested like six years ago. <laughs> uh, yes. Vincent, what are we here to talk about today? <laughs> the the mysterious case of D.B. Cooper. Nice. Long overdue. We covered this one. I've been putting this one off for like many years. I was like kicking it down the can, kicking down the can down the road. I was... Every single podcast you can think of has covered this one. Yeah. It's the ongoing mystery aspect. Yeah. yeah, it's the only unsolved case of case of air piracy in the United in the in the world. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So if we're gonna do it, we're gonna do it right. We got Vincent in the house on yes. the ones and twos. So where do we start off? We're we gonna go with just the facts here. Let's start with the day of. Like, mm-hmm. let's just start as if you know. Let's paint a picture like Bob Ross, if you will. Okay, so so November twenty fourth, Thanksgiving, day Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving Eve, nineteen seventy one. We're in Portland, Oregon. It's raining, or maybe it was just raining, or it's about to rain. It's Portland, Oregon. The humidity <laughs> is high. <laughs> it could uh, rain at any moment. Yeah, yeah, Portland. I assume this is a really cold, wet time of the year in Portland, Oregon. Uh, yeah, your, November. It's you got your coffee in hand. I assume their coffee's like just cold to brewing. Mm. Very hipster. I don't know if hipsters were a thing in the seventies in Portland. Oh, I'm sure they're like Why beatniks be? or some shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there was beatniks running around trying to get home for the holidays for their. Well, to go see their dad that served yeah. in the Korean War and shit. They're wearing their like 1970s trailblazer jerseys. <laughs> Bill Walton jersey. Yeah. <laughs> they all have their like little afros with the sideburns. <laughs> so, a man goes to Northwest Orient Airlines, books a flight on flight 305, a Boeing 727, and uh. I guess back in the day, there there was no like you know pre-screening, no security checks. You just walk right up to the counter, give them twenty bucks, and they give you a plane ticket. That's what fucking shocked me. <laughs> it was just like the day, I'm gonna buy a ticket on the, the day, day of the day just of. Just walk up to the counter, can I have a ticket? Which is by the way, like the day before Thanksgiving. That is like one of the busiest travel days ever. Exactly. I thought about that too. I was like, there's no way he didn't plan it because of that. Because this is the time that these employees are probably the most overworked. This is the, one of the busiest travel weekends of you know travel lead-ups of the entire year maybe christmas up there too yeah but they're probably not giving a fuck this dude's probably just gonna visit his family in in tacoma washington yeah so like whatever put him on there he looks like a clean-cut white dude like nothing to look at (laughs) no harm no foul no harm no foul that 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 (laughs) took me back to the uh Pre nine eleven? No, no, no. The, the catch me if you can of it all. Oh yeah. Where you can get away with a lot just by like a, wearing a clean suit. You know, wearing wearing a, wearing a business, wearing a tie. You can just walk up and be like, "Hey, this is who I am." And you're like, "I'll take your word for it." Yeah. 
just walk up wearing a, a pilot uniform like i'm a pilot well you're wearing the uniform obviously yeah. you are i don't have to check your credentials <laughs> yeah <laughs> these things pretty much fly themselves anyway. i forgot my wallet at home i need to get on this flight now okay get on sir I like the look of your face. Get, I like the cut you know. of your jib. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that, that's why they refer to the 70s as the golden age of of skyjacking. Yeah. I think there was like, what, like 37, during this time period of like yeah. the early 70s, like 37 hijackings in America alone. That's wild, dude. That's fucking terrifying. Yeah. Like the but, fact that one happened, you would think like the FAA would like change the rules up and shit. Like, yeah. But no. But it like it, it's not like how we think of hijackings today, where it's like, oh man, they're gonna crash the the, the thing into the fucking Pentagon. Crashing like, the plane. No, it was usually just some you know some dissidents, or it's gonna be some criminals. Like we're going to Cuba. Yeah, yeah, that or really? like I want ten thousand dollars in unmarked bills. That's great. So it's not like Bane taking over the plane and <laughs> and uh, Batman returns or whatever. Yeah, Batman rises. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's what I thought was going on there. Like Bane just like. Him and his men take over the plane or some no, shit. just really banal. Someone yeah. would just like, yeah, take a gun out and be like, we're taking over the plane. We're, we're going to Cuba. You know, it's, it's you know. What we, you could do because they didn't have did the fucking mag- magnetic de- detectors. Like, no. no one was checking you when you got on the plane. You could have a gun in your back pocket. Do it's you like, guys remember flying pre-9-11 or did you guys ever fly before 9-11? Yeah. I mean, all you did is you walked through the metal detector and then that was it. There was no ID check. <laughs> Yeah. You know, you just walk through. It's like going to a concert or whatever, right? And that was it. Now we got to yeah. take off our shoes and shit. Get yeah. Well, that was after, like the, that was after the Unibomber or like the shoe bomber or whatever. Mm-hmm. The guy that was like putting bombs in his shoes. They should have. Well, they should have at least like not let you take like liquids. I think liquids became like a thing where it's like they got to check your liquids. Make sure you got no fucking like petroleum jelly, ah, flammable petroleum jelly in the bag or some shit, you know? Yeah, I'm walking out with just a jar of gasoline. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's holding a big old petroleum jelly. Don't worry, guys. I'm from Bikersfield. He's either hey. going to be masturbating the whole time or he's going to light that shit on fire. It's got a vest on. This is my security <laughs> gasoline. <laughs> it helps my anxiety. <laughs> oh, dude. So last night we went to a Connors game and the lady behind us had a, a comfort dog with her. And it was cool. Like, I don't mind it. I love dogs. It was like a golden retriever. But I was like, I don't know if I'm allowed to be like, oh, can I pet your dog? Because it's like, you're not supposed to yeah, do that. Yeah, working dogs. Yeah, you can't do that. But I was like, every time I would look behind me, and it's like this adorable dog. And I was like, come on. Yeah. Come on, dude. Let me just fucking go back there and just pet this dog. Let me smash my face yeah. into his face. Well, yeah. Like, whisper yeah. in his ear, sweet nothings. But oh, anyways. Yeah. Going back to Portland, Oregon. Yeah, so a man in a, he was wearing a dark trench coat, uh, uh, some dark pants. Uh, yeah, just just a dark suit, dark suit, dark tie, white shirt. Like the guy sells looks, life sounds insurance. dope as fuck, dude. Like, I'll be honest with you, like the way he dresses, and I know that there's a episode of the Loki show where they kind of recreate this scene or whatever. I think they do a Yeah, he's a cool. very dapper looking gentleman. Yeah. yeah, I was like, dude, that sounds, very Reservoir Dogs like yes. stuff where I'm like, dude, very or cool. Or Men in Black kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But also that it's just just very nondescript, just like dark suit, white tie, or dark suit, white shirt, dark tie. Mm-hmm. Like the guy just looks like anybody. He looked just yeah. Don Draper looking motherfucker. I was about to say yeah, yeah. some John Hamm activity yeah. right there. Yeah, yeah. 
Just a clean-cut looking white guy. I'd with like a briefcase. to protest there. John Hamm would stick out. I'd be like, "That is a good-looking man. <laughs> I cannot take my eyes off of you, sir." He's a little, little more basic than John Hamm. <laughs> He's like a service dog. I, I just want to pet you. I just want to smash my like, chin into your straw. Oh yeah. Chin and if get he was sitting behind me at a Converse game, I'd be looking over every five seconds. You'd be like, taking a selfie, but it's off-centered a little bit. Yeah, be <laughs> like, I am whispering sweet nothings into your ears, John Hamm. <laughs> I'm never gonna dance again. So a Mr. Cooper, a Mr. Dan Cooper, boards flight 305 with the other 37 passengers and six flight crew. Correct. They take their seats, and uh, this guy passes a note to uh, the stewardess, Miss uh, Florence Schaffner. Schaffner? Schaffner. Schaffner, yeah. We're gonna say, yeah, yeah. Close enough. Yeah. Yeah. And back in the day... um, Stewardesses were like we're like a sex symbol. They were really Correct. like sexualized. Yeah, we were talking we about talked this. about that yeah. earlier. Yeah, or before we started recording, I was just like, when, you watch like the unsolved mysteries, and one of the flight attendants, Art was saying, looked a lot like the girl that played Harley Quinn. What's her name? Um, oh, Margot Robbie. Mar- Margot there you Robbie. go, Margot yeah. Robbie. I was uh, like, if you ever make a Hollywood production of this, you better cast Margot Robbie as Florence Schaffner. Actually, I think it was the other lady, um, Tina, Tina Mucklow. Mucklow. Tina Mucklow, yeah. Oh, my God. I saw her, and I She's was like. She's the hero, man. Mm-hmm. I was like, you, ma'am. <laughs> my God. Her, her dedication, man. She followed this shit the, the, all the way through. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, uh, Florence yeah, Schaffner. Yeah, we're getting a little, little ahead of ourselves. Yeah. So Florence Sorry. Schaffner. Also a dime piece, I, I'm uh-huh. say. I didn't know images I was able to find on her. Oh, I did. So, <laughs> so this... This guy, this rather dapper-looking gentleman in the dark suit, uh-huh. the dark tie, hands her a note, and she thinks this is just somebody giving her phone number. Here's another fucking pervert. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, that's nice. Yeah, he's puts it in her pocket. pocket. Yeah, and then he's got to tell her, hey, you might be want to open that check up. Check that thing out. Yeah, I believe his exact words are, miss, you better look at that note. I have a bomb. Which is a bomb thing yeah. to say, dude. <laughs> that's, that's a baller G, move. That's a G thing. And for a second there, while I was doing the research, I was like, what if he was just like really trying to pick up on this stewardess and like it all just kind of went, it spiraled out of control. Like now he has to follow through. Because he asked like, I want you to sit next to me and all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what if he's like, oh, fuck, I went too far with this one. <laughs> now I just got to follow through. No, you're, you're in too deep now. <laughs> he's just trying to look cool. <laughs> That's some Christian Bell method acting right there. And yeah. shit. I'm just going to go through with this. I'm going to ask for a parachute. I read a book one time that girls like bad guys. <laughs> I'm wearing my bad guy sunglasses. Oh, ultimate bad boy. Yeah. Black suit. Yeah. I so bomb. Oh shit! I, I didn't plan this far ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was gonna get a, the Mile High Club after. I, I thought this. you were just gonna get real wet. And we were gonna go hit the uh, <laughs> the, <head>. the bathroom, <laughs> get some head. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, uh, Florence Schaffner. She opens up the the letter, uh, and it says, like Art said, Miss, uh, you better look at the note. I have a bomb. Uh, the note pretty much says the same thing. It says, uh, I have a bomb. Uh, come sit by me. Seems a little redundant. Yeah. Yeah. He <laughs> repeats like, himself. He, he was really expecting her to read the note, and so he had to tell her the thing that was in the note for her to read the note, which mm-hmm. told her to do the thing that he just told. Yeah. yeah. The weird thing about the note is that the note was handwritten, mm-hmm. and but she t- talked about, because I think he keeps the note, like she hands the note back to him, so they can't do like, you know, Hand, handwriting, hand, analysis. handwriting analysis or any of that stuff. But, um, I guess she said like his like handwriting was like super spot on perfect like it yeah. looked like it was like out of a textbook. Well, when he's writing his name for the uh, the flight ticket, you know, he writes in just like block letters, nothing that can really be analyzed. Just you know, Dan Cooper. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, and then she he instructs her to sit by him. And then when she sits by him, uh, she asks to see asks to see the bomb. Because just to make sure he's not bluffing. Yeah, and he brought on the plane uh, a a briefcase. They called it something else. An attache case. There you go. I'm glad you said that. And a brown paper bag. Now, we don't know what was in the brown paper bag, but we do know what was in the attache case. Uh, What she described was two rows of four red cylinders with a wire and a cylindrical battery. Yeah, right sounds like a very yeah. cartoon, like Wile E. Coyote bomb. Correct. Because later afterwards, they say, you know, well, you got to look at the bomb. What did it look like? She said, you know, it was these, these four red sticks. And it's like, and you've seen too many cartoons. <laughs> Dynamite is not red. It's actually it's brown. like tan or brown. Like, he probably just had road flares. Yeah. That or like to- toilet paper rolls or brownie. Yeah. Wh- which bomb, road brownie. flares, pretty genius if he did hold on to the bomb. Because then he could use him, use him down the line as road flares if he's trying to like rendezvous with somebody down the line. Oh, true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. I had not thought about that till you like literally said that right now. But yeah, good thing to have if you're jumping out to the middle of the forest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but going back, he she basically sits down next to him. She freaks out. She does see the bomb. <laughs> you know, not a bomb expert. <clears throat> But sees a bomb, and I thought the same thing too. But I, I would have, I would have fell for it. though. I would have fell for it too. I was like, I don't know what a bomb looks like. You could yeah. show me an alarm clock, and I'd be like, Yeah, that's it. Someone shows <laughs> shows like a brick of clay with just some wires coming out of it. It's like, Oh fuck, that's C four. Uh, I there think. You go. I don't know. I don't know what C four looks like. Yeah, I played Call of Duty a couple times. Yeah, yeah, that, that's it. That's the one. That's a bomb. Yeah, <laughs> I'm doing. What, I'll suck your dick right now, man. <laughs> just let me live. <laughs> uh, but anyways, uh, he starts writing down his demands. Uh, and then Schaffner goes to the cockpit <laughs> and alerts the pilot um, that, you know, hey, this guy, you know, in the last row of the plane, uh, he has a bomb and he has these very specific demands. Now, the pilot says, you're going to stay here and take notes of all the activities. And so basically what his demands are is he demands $200,000. About uh, $1.3 million today. Correct. And a brown knapsack. He was very specific about that. It's also very specific about it be negotiable American currency. Yeah, and that exact language yeah. too, which is kind of awkward. So like either he's trying to be really official or maybe he's foreign. Like that seems like a really weird thing to say. Like I need American currency. It's like, yeah, we're in America. That's <laughs> what we use. Yeah. Not going to bring you Deutschmarks. <laughs> what, so I thought about that too. And it's like, maybe he was saying that to like throw them off. Like it reminded me of the movie. Have you guys ever seen um, Die Hard, uh, Die Hard with the Vengeance? There's a point in the movie where he says he like, he's trying to rob all the money in Fort Knox or something. He says, I would not do this for all the money in your Fort Knox. And like the FBI is trying to do like analysis on everything he's saying. And he's like, okay, he says your Fort Knox. So he has, can't be American, like all this stuff. And like, he was doing all these things to like throw off the FBI. And I was in in the movie, it becomes like pretty genius where it's like, oh dude, he was like toying with him and using all this verbiage and like using like a different kind of accent, all this stuff. And I was like, maybe he was doing that. Like, on purpose to be like, oh, he can't be American. He's got to be like a foreigner or something. He's flying to Mexico. Maybe yeah. just a light-skinned brother or something. Yeah, which, you know, someone says that. But uh, he does say that American currency by 5 p.m. Now, mind you, uh, the flight took off like around like what? It was like 11.30 a.m. or I want to say or 2. No, it took off at 2.50 p.m. or whatever. So uh, within a matter of three hours or two and a half hours or however long into the flight this is he wants all this money by 5 p.m as well as two front and two back parachutes and 
it's worth noting that the flight from Portland to where they were going was uh, Seattle, Seattle to Washington. Washington. Yeah. Yeah. It's only a 30-minute flight. Yeah. You know what the funny thing about that is like from Portland to to Seattle, the drive is only like an hour and 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. So like I was surprised that they even have a flight that short. I was like, damn, weird. dude. It's like, is there a flight from Bakersfield to Fresno? Like, damn. like <laughs> Or Bakersfield to L.A. Shit, I'd yeah. take that flight all day, every day. Yeah. Like, I, I, would you, though? Because then you have to go through wait, LAX. Wait. Burbank like, Airport. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. Now you got me. All yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> the Long Beach Airport. Yeah. <laughs> Not LAX. <laughs> but yeah. It, it did. This struck me as weird. So everybody was expecting, you know, to jump on this plane at, you know, 2.50 p.m. and be in Seattle, Tacoma uh, by, you know... Basically, three thirty. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, the flight or the pilot uh, sends up Tina Mucklow to sit next to Cooper, and um, y- you know he yeah, she's the liaison yeah. right between the the cockpit and and Mr. Cooper. Yeah, and so uh, the the pilot uh, radios in you know to the FBI the FBI uh, via uh, Northwest Orient in Minnesota saying like, hey, I got this guy on the airplane. He's making all these demands. Uh, what do you want us to do? So the head of uh, Northwest Orient says, hey, fully comply with us. We'll alert the FBI and the local authorities and we'll go from there. Yeah, so the flight starts taking a lot longer to, to get where it's supposed to be. He starts just making circles around the Petrit Sound. Because the been, Puget Sound. Or the <laughs> Puget Sound or whatever. The Puget you know. Sound. Uh, I, I love that. <laughs> the the pilot to calm everybody down because because most everybody nobody knew that the, the yeah. plane was being hijacked correct everything was kept really you know on the down low and so the pilot's just gonna say uh passengers we are uh, experiencing some uh, some uh, technical difficulties that is a great like that is exactly how every <laughs> yeah. single pilot talks yeah uh, attention this is your captain speaking we are going to uh have some minor delays here. Vincent, you might want to pursue a career. Technical difficulties. <laughs> you, uh, I guarantee uh, you, please, if you got behind, just sit back, a, relax, uh, have another bourbon and coke. If there was a plane and the and the pilot died, and we're like, we just need someone with some flight experience, and you're like, oh, I may have a little bit. So, I, uh, and you just go back there with like no flight experience. <laughs> I would be like, oh, okay, cool, yeah, he has. Yeah, I mean, if I if I had a, if I had a nice suit on and just was yeah. like clean shaved, I bet they would let me. <laughs> yeah. So I, mean, I, like, I like case. Yeah, I like the cut of your jib. Yeah. I. I <laughs> You're hired. <laughs> One of the things that does happen is, you know, obviously they're flying around for making just circles, killing time. Mm-hmm. Well, they, well, the uh, FBI and the authorities assemble the money. Assemble the money. Because they do have, uh, th- you know, he asked for it all in $20 bills. All the money is going to be in $20 bills. So they have the, like the, the I was going to say the, the QR t- code. $10,020 bills. Yeah. So they have the, 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 the serial, serial number, number of all those $20 bills so they could trace it back to them. So they're putting all this together. So he's And they photographed some- all the money too. Yeah. So they're putting it all together, and he. One of the things that he does say to um, Mucklow is that Mucklow, yeah. He he does say to her like, you know, as they're getting closer, he's like, "Oh, that looks like Tacoma down there." So which kind of is like, "Oh, well, he must be familiar with the area. Like, he must know what it looks like from the air." Yeah, and he also says bullshitting. I don't know. Yeah, maybe too. But it was pretty accurate though. And he also said that, "Oh, look down there. It's McCord Air Force Base, which is a twenty-minute." drive you know from SeaTac, so he had he had to have some kind of knowledge to be able to recognize tacoma you know from an aerial recognize viewpoint, the air force base and recognize it and the accuracy of how long it would take to drive between those two areas yeah absolutely i am you know no one really talks about this at least i didn't see it, many many people talking about this but 
What if he's Canadian? <laughs> what if he he lives among us and he's just fucking Canadian? <laughs> that 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 was a, a theory floated around, especially just because of the name Dan Cooper, which is the name of a French Canadian comic book character. Really, yeah, right. pilot, and that was oh. one of the things. Like, oh, maybe he's Canadian. There's this French Canadian thing. And it's like I don't know. Dan Cooper just sounds like a really generic name. Yeah, it is very it's generic. like if somebody John Doe or John Smith. Well, or... No, if somebody just you know put put a fake name down and it was like uh, Steve Rogers. Yeah, like yeah. oh, he must be a captain. America fan. It's like, yeah. no, Steve Rogers is just a really generic name. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Very American or Canadian. <laughs> yeah. Like, that could be anybody's name. So maybe, sure, that there's a little bit of a coincidence there with this this French French Canadian comic book. The funny thing is, then Cooper. The the uh, D.V. Cooper thing, you know, that becomes like the big thing of the, the name of the case, right? People call it the D.V. Cooper case. Apparently, there's like no real, like, they don't know where the miscommunication happened, where it went from Dan Cooper to D.B. Cooper. So I don't think we ever addressed that. I know we've been calling him Dan well, Cooper. Well, they, they do have it, but that comes on later on in the story. But like Art said, you know, they circled around the Puget, <laughs> the, the pungent sound. The pungent for, sound. <laughs> sound for two hours, uh, you know, citing, you know, technical the, the difficulty. Puget sound. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, the FBI and, you know, uh, Northwest Orient, they, you know, scramble around local banks. And I got to think, too, like, like it's the day before... Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. So I'm sure these banks have already closed and whatnot. So I, I, I'm assuming like it took a while for it to get all this like opened up and you know Mike and like Vincent said, you know they're they're getting the twenty dollar bills, you know micro uh, film so that way they can scan all the serial numbers so that that way they can track them. And oh yeah, by the way, we got to make sure all these twenties are you know unmarked so that way you know it meets his criteria. Because at this point, what they're thinking about is is like oh there is how do we catch him later. Yeah, how do we catch him later, and how do we appease him so that way there's not any casualties yeah, so on yeah. the flight? Get these passengers safely off the plane. Yeah, so meet all of his needs first, so that way we can take a, we can take care of all the precious cargo that's on there. Uh, so, also at this time, you know they're scrambling around to get you know the the parachutes uh, initially, and this is and Art and I were talking about this before we started a recording. There's a lot a lot of information that contradicts itself when it comes to the parachutes uh some stories say that you know they got two parachutes from from the military base that were rejected later on by db cooper and then other narratives that says that he actually took the two military ones but you know we're gonna go by what the wikipedia says because wikipedia quote unquote is never wrong yeah uh but by the time that the airplane lands uh, Tina Mucklow, who was uh, sitting uh, by Cooper the whole time, she was instructed, like Vincent said, to be the liaison uh, to go down, you know, on the tarmac. Now, uh, the pilot asked Cooper, hey, do I have your permission? Because Cooper didn't want uh, the plane to land, you know, right up against the terminal. It had to be like out in the outskirts of, you know, where the plane landed. And he says, hey, can I land where it's you know partially lit, so that way the fuel trucks come, you know they they know where they know where we're at. Also, too, you know the people bringing the money, you know they have like a clear viewpoint of where we're at. So he says yes, but we have to have all of the shades lowered down because he doesn't want snipers pop shotting him, which they did and, have. Oh yeah, you better believe they had snipers on the roof. Yes. And so um, Tina Mucklow was going to be the person that, you know, goes and retrieves, you know, the money as well as the parachutes. And then I believe it was like the president of Northwest Orient. Uh, no, it was the, the operations manager, Mr. Al Lee. 
So Dwight Schrute, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the operation. Uh, he, and he doesn't want to be mistaken for, you know, law enforcement. So correct. he changes into civilian clothes. Correct. To deliver the goods. I to thought that was local. pretty smart of them, too. Yeah. Kind of an underrated move. Yeah. We don't want him freaking out setting off that bomb. Correct. Yes. And so um, he brings uh, the four parachutes, uh, let's just say the two military ones, and then two from a local flight school, and then another set from um, a recreational skydiving outfit. And so in this narrative that we're going to say, he rejects the two military ones, so they have to go and get, you know, the other two uh, from the, you know, the skydiving school, which I'm assuming like the early 70s. Like, you know, MTV Sports and the X Games aren't out yet. No, no. It's it's not a popular thing. <coughs> yeah, but they're in Portland, so keep yeah. Portland weird. So I'm assuming there was probably like one fringe place that had yeah. this on downtown Portland. Portland skydiving. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and unicycles. Yeah. Unicycle <laughs> while falling out of the sky. <laughs> and beard wax. Yes. Yeah. That's a big market there. Yeah. So, uh, and they thought that it was weird that he rejected... Um, that he did keep the flight school ones because later on it re- was revealed uh, that they were test parachutes where one of them, uh, the parachutes, you could not open up. You can, you can, they rip were the so cord. shut. Yeah, you can rip the cord, but no parachute would come out. Yeah. The canopy would. No, just the, the lead chute comes out, but the main chute was sewed in because as you do when you're training, you want to practice throwing out that lead chute. That's the little chute that pulls the big chute out. Correct. But you don't want to have to repack the big chute every fucking time that yes. someone's training for this. So no, you just got to get used to throwing out the, the little lead chute. That's what you're practicing on. I don't want to have to pack up your shit. You're not going <laughs> to uh-huh. do it. I don't want to do it. Which just sounds lazy, <laughs> by the way. No, it's just training. You're, you're <clears throat> skydiving school. I want to have the full experience. No, we can't do that. No, okay. <laughs> that's, too much, that's too much work. But anyways, uh, he takes uh, that, and then he gets the money. And as soon as he gets the money... Uh, well, he he gets releases the money all... in a bank bag, a canvas yes. bank bag, even though he ordered it in a knapsack because yeah. yes. he, he wanted handles. This is where things start getting kind of weird because he does start kind of breaking character. You can kind of tell he's panicking a little bit. There was these, the issue with like the fueling truck. They had to have like three fueling trucks come out, Correct. which was like, why the fuck is it taking three fueling trucks? And like, I get it. Like he parked it. He has to plan to get parked in a different place. So like mm-hmm. things are going to be a little bit different. And apparently that was not the FBI's plan. Like to, no. to have three fueling trucks. That was just like, like legit, te- le- yeah. <laughs> legit like, technical difficulties. Yeah. And that kind of freaked them out even more. Like there was a little bit more panic now. He went from like cool, cool guy Jones over here, but now he's like freaking out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyways, as soon as he gets the knapsack or the the bank the sack, bank bag yeah. the bank bag instead of the knapsack, like Art said, he starts to freak out a little bit, and he goes, "I requested a knapsack." And so what he starts doing is he pulls out his knife. He was able to get a knife on the fucking airplane or whatever. This yeah. is the seventies or whatever, right? And he starts like cutting up one of the parachutes uh, and retrofitting a knapsack so he can put all of these. What was it like ten thousand bills? Ten thousand twenty dollar bills. In, which like, they said was like 25 pounds or something like that. Yeah, so he needed a bag with handles because what am I supposed to do with this fucking canvas bag? I'm just yeah. going to shoulder this and just going to try and carry it as I'm falling through the air? <laughs> Think. Which, which they didn't know that he was going to parachute out no. at that point. You no. know, yeah. But, but he, would, did, he did order parachutes, and yeah. it, they said well, the clever thing was ordering four of them because if you just ordered one, it's like there's no guarantee they weren't just going to give him a dummy shoot yeah. and watch him plummet to his death. Yeah. yeah. But those, that second pair meant that like, oh shoot, he might take a he's, hostage. Yeah, he's going to take the, the one of the flight crew. Correct. 
And at that point, when he gets the money, he releases all of the passengers. And at this point, point too, I want it, it's important to note that nobody on the flight except for the crew knew that they were being hijacked. They just thought like there was an issue with the fuel. Uh, we have some uh, technical difficulties here. Everybody, uh, uh, please uh, remain in your seats. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> we'll uh, get you to your destination right on time. Yeah. Thank you very much. And, and in enough time to get some stovetop tough stuffing and uh, dark meat or white meat. Or... And thank you for flying Northwest Orient Airlines. Yes. Uh, we appreciate your business. <laughs> you know, this is a pre-cell phone era time. And so I can only imagine how fucking... Annoying him as being a plane, like being that one dude that's like, dude, I'm gonna be late to fucking Thanksgiving for yeah. this fucking shit. I still gotta go pick up a fucking ham, dude. My family does Thanksgiving the night before, man. <laughs> fucking with my plans. Oh my god, I'm gonna yeah, miss. I'm gonna miss the pumpkin the, pie. The the so, fucking Detroit Lions are about to play, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so, so here's the thing that that gets me is that all right after we get the money back on the plane after the passengers have have come off. Um, and Tina's bringing the, the parachutes on board. Um, he doesn't have any more real leverage. Like the pilots could have gotten like a rope ladder. They have a rope ladder and they could have gotten out of the cockpit. Tina could have just stayed off the plane and not brought the last, you know, uh, <laughs> parachute back on. And he would have just been sitting on that plane with his thumb up his butt. But, yeah. uh, but he had that bomb, but though. he had the bomb. So, you know, if he, if he fucking set that off, though, I mean, that could have created a chain reaction where the whole plane fucking explodes and all this shrapnel is going all over the place. Yeah, so, so I mean, it's it's pretty brave that the, the pilots stay, that Tina comes back on, mm-hmm. and it's just like, all right, we're, we're doing this thing. I'm, I'm with you all the way. Ride or die, baby. Yeah. Uh, but he gets impatient uh, because, like Art said, you know, three fuel trucks, you know, have to come and go and whatnot. <clears throat> and this is like where they ask him, what, what is what is the second part of your plan here? And so he gets with the the pilot and he says, I have a flight plan and I want to get to Mexico, Mexico, Mexico City. City. And you got to think like fucking port or Seattle to fucking Mexico City. That's a long ass flight. And this is a small plane with only a range of about a thousand miles. Correct. So they come up, hit the, the pilot. And again, like Art and I were talking about before recording, uh, depending on what narrative you hear, you know, there's conflicting stories. Either DB comes up with this plan or the, 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 the pilot, pilot comes up with this plan. <laughs> Uh, saying like, hey, like we need to make a fuel stop. Uh, how about Reno, Nevada? So we're gonna go with you know the pilot saying that, uh, and DB Cooper says, hey, yeah, that's fine with me. That's fine. I have no intention of getting off wherever this plane is landing. You land this plane wherever you want. I really don't care. Yeah, yeah. So uh, they agree to fly. You to- could land in Bakersfield. <laughs> I don't fucking care. <laughs> Meadowsfield is lovely this time and, of year, and that might be so. Maybe he. He only needed them to just get out of there, mm-hmm. and then I don't care where this is going. Like I only need to get out of this situation real quick. Yeah, I only need ten minutes or so, yeah. whatnot, right? Uh, but he also says that um, he he starts to make more demands on the flight path. He goes, "I want you know a minimum airspeed of 115 miles per hour." They said it's something like in knots, and I was like, "I ain't gonna fuck with in, that." 100 knots. 100 knots. So 115 miles per hour, or 185 kilometers. For all our people in the rest of the world who use metric and not our bullshit fucking miles. Exactly. Uh, I want you to fly 10,000 feet. Um, and then I also want the landing gear always deployed. The wing flaps lower to 15 degrees. So that way it can 
it can accommodate all these, you know, flight demands and whatnot, right? Uh, as well as I want the cabin unpressurized. Now, the other thing that he wanted was is that the Boeing 727 that they were in is the only plane in existence that had like the stairs that came out of the yeah, rear. Yeah, it has a rear ramp or the aft door. Yeah. And which I thought was really weird. Like, why would you have that like on a commercial flight? Like, you, you just pull up to the tarmac and you go in that little tube and whatnot, right? But no, these 727s, you know, they use them like, I guess, in wartime. They use them for, you know, you, you know, uh, heads of state, you know, but they would come out the rear, like a, like a car, like Blue the Bear in Tailspin, you know, they yeah. would well, come out the back. So there's, I mean, that's actually a great analogy. The, the thinking being, you know, you don't want to jump out the passenger door and possibly hit the wing or get sucked into the engine. I want to jump straight out the back with no nothing, nothing in my way, unencumbered, just free. I'd like to give credit to the Wikipedia. They have a little animated thing. I don't know if you guys saw that. There's a little guy jumping out of the plane. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, <laughs> and so he also uh, wanted to wanted to have that aft staircase continuously deployed upon takeoff as well as. You know, while it was up in the and air. And they said, we can't do that. We, yeah. we can't take off the, the, the back door down. Yeah. They're like, we're going to get sucked out of the plane, dude. Yeah. Like, no, don't pressurize the cabin. Okay, but we can't take off the door down. Yeah. But we can open the door once we're in the air. Like, okay, maybe lead with that next yeah. time. <laughs> you got my hopes down. Yeah, and the pilot actually, like, he put his foot down against DB2. like that, And I got to give the pilot credit on that. He's like, no, we can't do it. And then DB kind of pushed back. He was like, no, we can. I've done it before. This is what we're doing. Yeah. I, I, I know what you're saying. But, but this, this is, is what, what we're doing. doing. <laughs> so he does start to break character because now the pilot starts, you know, putting his foot down. Even the stewardess, uh, Mucklow, she's kind of like, you have to take the bomb with you. Like, if you're fucking jumping off this plane, you take that bomb with you. Mm-hmm. And he does kind of give her a, I may or may not take the bomb yeah. with me kind of thing. And it was like, oh, whatever, dude. Well, like, because well, the FBI is just like, we have no guarantee that he's not going to blow up the plane after. Correct. Yeah. That he's going to jump out and blow up the plane. Yeah. Because I think at this point, it went from, you know, the 36 passengers and the six crew to just like the pilot, the co pilot, Mucklow, DB, and I think like one other like engineer was like on the plane. So it like went from like four or five people. So that, but that's still you, your first priority as law enforcement yeah. is to protect like the all those on there, except for fucking DB. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. But I thought that was kind of like, no, we're gonna fucking, you're gonna listen to us because you, it, his, his like, his master plan doesn't look so master planish right now because yeah. it seems to he's either he doesn't <clears throat> know about like. You know the way that the the skydiving thing should work, or maybe he knows this plane better than they know this plane. Perhaps. And so, well, you know, I mean, he specifically asked when he was getting his ticket the the model number of the plane. Yeah, is it a seven twenty seven? Wow, I maybe mean, he doesn't know this plane it's, better than they know this I mean, plane. I mean, he had a plan definitely going in, but um, as far as you know, if he actually done this under these conditions because mm-hmm. they say it was cold that night uh, you know going going from it was that raining altitude. that night yeah it, 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 it doesn't degrees. see it's, it's the middle of it's the middle of dark it's dark outside it's raining it's cold not ideal for for jumping out of a plane and landing in a forest it's not a field like and it was dark too because i think they said the moon at that time was at like like, like where it looked like a fingernail and shit mm-hmm. so it was like it was dark. All yeah, the, these all are the not worst ideal conditions. conditions. Yeah. The, the, the crazy thing about this is like, so he's about to jump out of this plane and they're still communicating with him. Like, they're like, hey, do you need help <laughs> with what you're doing? And he's like, no. And all they feel is like, they, it's when the door opens and like their ears pop because like things mm. just got pressurized. Like they feel it right away. And yeah. so like, 
And it's worth noting too, like with he starts this process literally like five minutes, you know, after they get up in the air. So, you know, they land and it takes a while for the fueling trucks to get to this point. So this is like around five, five thirty. Uh, by the time they're able to get up in the air, it's seven forty PM. Let's get this show on the road. Yes. Says that a few times. Uh, and then uh, by the time that they uh, get up in the air, two F-106 fighter pilots, you know, from, you Scrambled know, from the base. Yeah, from McCord Air, Air Force, as well as a T-33 uh, Lockheed uh, spy plane starts following them. And they start doing this in like an S formation. Because the jets are too fast. Correct. <laughs> He's so, in this Goldilocks zone of of the the flight speed because the jets are too fast. They can't keep pace with them. All right, well, let's send a helicopter. Well, fuck, the helicopter's too slow. All right. I don't know, drive, I guess. Like, <laughs> let's follow them in a car. <laughs> yeah, so they have to do this like this S formation where it's just like they, they go in front of they go from behind him to where he can't see the, the, the fighter planes as well as they go in front of him. So it's like this S pattern. And it go to YouTube, they they show a really good um reenactment of it, which is kind of genius, just to make sure like, hey, if anything happens, if it blows up and whatnot, like there's fighter pilots right there to be able to to blow it up even more? No, no to be able to, <laughs> to scramble and get, you know, you know, to the site that the precise site or whatever it is, right? Yeah. So anyways, they got that going on. Uh Cooper turns to Mucklow and he tells her within the five minutes saying, Hey, you need to lower the staircase. Now Mucklow at this point is like petrified because she's like no i'm gonna get sucked, sucked out, out of the like, fucking can I, plane can i have some rope to tie myself like <coughs> to the plane so i don't get sucked out and she sees one of the parachutes and she's like hey like you already got this fucked up parachute over here why don't you cut off a cord so i can tie myself to a seat so i don't get sucked out of the plane the pilots and the engineer and shit like they're safe in the <laughs> fucking cockpit yeah well, I mean, they're like, oh, we we uh, we gotta uh, fly the plane, uh, t- uh, Tina. Maybe you better, maybe you better go back out there. <laughs> like, there's two of you. We're doing like, some brave shit in here, uh, uh, Mister Copilot. Why don't you fucking go? It's like, you're just a fucking woman. <laughs> know your place, bitch. <laughs> there's three people on this plane. Two of us will be extremely successful, and the other one will make a great mother. <laughs> a fantastic homemaker. <laughs> <laughs> anyways that is the sexism of the 70s but anyways yeah but tina like a champ she's just i just all right fine give me give me a piece of rope something something yeah something work with me here motherfucker and i guess uh db cooper like he took some pity on her and says look go to the cockpit but don't come back and while you're walking up to the cockpit i need you to close the curtain partition the first uh, between class first cast and coach and so she does, she takes a look back and she sees uh, DB like starting to like tie the money like around his body, like, you know, he's like suiting up, he's getting ready. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like, so this is at 7.40 p.m. And at about uh, 8 p.m. Uh, the, in the cockpit, they see the light, the warning light come on that the staircase has been activated. Like Art said, you know, the, the pilot messages back to him on the intercom, do you need help? And they hear no. And that's the last words that you hear from DB Cooper. Uh, and then about 13 minutes later, they feel that the tail pitch up into the air. And, and they this feel is, a jolt, like yeah. something heavy, like 200 pounds just left the plane. Yeah, and they're, all of their ears pop and whatnot, right? And then by 11 p.m., I want to say, uh, they they get on the intercom, and Mucklow, like, about two or three times says, like, hey, we're about to land. Coop, you need to, you, you know, 
I don't, and I don't know why they didn't think like he didn't jump, but she was telling him like, hey, you need to pull the staircase up because we're going to land. This shit like starts rubbing against like the yeah, concrete. Sure scraping against the landing. <laughs> yeah. That's some, this is like made for a movie, dude. Yeah, this is some Con Air shit yeah. with Nicolas Cage and fucking Ving Rhames and no, shit. They, they Danny ma- Trejo. They did yeah. make a movie with a Treat Williams. Oh, yeah? Did? Yeah. Treat Williams? Who's that? Uh, did you ever see that movie Deep Rising? No. Sounds very late nineties. Uh, yeah, it's uh, him and uh, who's that gal who played? Uh, Sounds very chain reactiony. No, that gal who played uh, Jean Grey in the X Men movies. Oh, Frumpy oh, yeah. Jamson. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. She's in that movie too. I heard it's a really bad movie. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's a uh, it's a bunch of pirates trying to heist a uh, cruise ship, and there's a giant tentacle monster that's eating everybody. It's a great time. Yes, <laughs> made for sci-fi TV. Oh yeah, made for sci-fi TV. Oh okay. Right. Oh no, no. I mean, it's a it's a real movie, but this is the kind of movie you see on the sci-fi, sci-fi channel, channel. Oh, like yeah. Saturday at two p.m. <laughs> <laughs> a very specific time frame. <laughs> yeah, it's like the middle of the day. <laughs> whenever it's the lead up to Sharknado Five. <laughs> it, it, it was a late nineties movie. Uh, maybe early two thousands. Okay, you know, I was gonna say. Well, in that era, there was like a lot of movies that were just like, "Well, just fucking the budget is good, so let's just fucking the economy's good. Mm-hmm. Let's just make all these like random shit." Hackers came out with Angelina Jolie, like shit that's like not gonna appeal to very many people. Like now, hackers could never be made. Like there's no way. It's like we're gonna get Angelina Jolie <laughs> to pretend to be a hacker or something like you know, just saying. A hot not, hacker. Yeah, it's like the economy's not that good. Like you either need <laughs> fucking Thanos or some shit in there. <laughs> Can we just put Thanos as a hacker? Like <laughs> resurrect him as a hacker. Yeah. So uh after she makes her, you know, demands the Cooper like, hey, you need to pull up the staircase uh, oh, they don't hear yeah. anything. So they, you know, miraculously are able to land this plane by 11.02 p.m. Uh, immediately, the FBI, state troopers, sheriff, Reno police, pretty much every law enforcement agency circles the plane. You know, they go in, you know, guns blazing and do like, a 30 minute search. This is the one place he's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they search the plane for 30 minutes and he's he's nowhere to be found. I don't understand why they would even think that. He would be in there. Like, yeah. I think at that point, like, when you <laughs> felt, like, the staircase lower down and you felt the thing, like, okay, he's gone. Well, like, he radioed the, to Reno. I think the pilot did did message, uh, I think our uh, passenger has uh, abruptly uh, uh, departed. Or maybe he <laughs> knew the plane better than they knew the plane. What's that one, like, shitty bank movie where, like, the dude just, his whole bank robbing scheme is that he's going to brick himself into the, into the bank Inside wall? Man. Inside Man. Clavo and... Yeah. Where he's just ba- maybe he inside man this shit where he's like stuck between like the the walls of the plane as like all right it's they like land inside the, the bathroom hugging yeah. the toilet like in the, in the <laughs> and housing in the next flight he comes out and he's like he's like has like a briefcase full of money or whatever that'd be genius just saying maybe that, that I haven't heard that lot. theory that's an Jacob do America comes exclusive out from under the sink <laughs> <laughs> he unflushes it, the toilet and he pops out. <laughs> Perfect inside he, man. He hit in the caca. Yeah, he's all covered in <laughs> caca. He 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 gets out of the toilet and he just spits out a piece of caca. Like, <laughs> <laughs> worth it. <laughs> and now I have two hundred thousand dollars. One point two million in yeah. today's economy. Yeah. But uh, anyways, so the uh, hunt begins for Mister DB Cooper. Who, as we said before, that was just a uh, a mistake by the media. Yeah, but uh, the FBI let it go. Yeah, and and they let the 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 I forget what what they call it, 
but yeah, let, let that. TV Cooper does sound yeah, way cooler. That, that identity just does sound cooler. The the, the two initials, mm-hmm. but that that way, if anybody does call in with a tip, and they say something like, you know, it's uh, I got a tip about a Dan Cooper. Like, okay, now we know this is legit. Correct. Because if someone says like, well, uh, this guy at the bar, he says he's a DB Coop, Cooper, but uh, somebody stored it in the seam right. So I thought I called the FBI. The Portland police does waste a lot of time. By they start investigating everybody named Dan Cooper that lives in the Portland area. Correct. But then they also start looking at the people that go by DB Cooper, which is like never a thing that he says. <coughs> no, well, they, the they, reason why they got to that was Portland PD. They 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 were looking for everybody that looked that was named Dan Cooper, which was a very common white boy name. Yeah, you're in Portland, so there's like a thousand of these motherfuckers, right? Yeah, and very they, basic name. Yeah, they run into a guy named DB Cooper. And then this reporter named James Long, who was uh, in a publishing rush to make a deadline to get this to the papers. Just overheard this. Yeah, overhears it and publishes that. And we mentioned this a lot during this, uh, you know, during our time making this podcast, is that a lot of people copy each other's homework, like when they're doing research about, you know, uh, podcast topics. Uh, So uh, a reporter from the United Press International Wire Service, reporter Clyde Jablin, copies and pastes this story. And that's how you get the infamous name D.B. Cooper in the media when it should be Dan Cooper. They're just it was a publication error because it was just is they're rushing to try and meet the the publishing date. Correct. Yeah. So that people hear it in the, the, yeah. the next. We, yeah. Papers. No, we got to get a story out. We got to get the story out now. Yeah. So if the fake news was at it again. <laughs> <laughs> Typical liberal media. Dude. Yeah. Uh, but like Vincent said, you know, the, the search is on. Uh, there is some proofs uh, in the airplane, um, some clues, if you will. Uh, they found 66 fingerprints, you know, from DB. Mm-hmm. Uh, a black cigarette butts. Yes, uh, about he's, seven or eight cigarette butts. Quite a few. Another thing, and yet again, another reason why smoking is cool. Yes. I'm not saying you should do it, kids, but it is pretty cool. It's cool. It can help the FBI track you down. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a few hair samples in the headrest. Uh, a black tie, black clip-on, clip-on tie. tie. He like yeah. rips that clip-off tie. Like he was a fucking like a young young <laughs> Mormon going to Sunday school church, <laughs> wearing your clip-on tie, taking that. Shit a young off. elder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Better take this shitty clip-on tie uh, with a mother mother of pearl uh, tie clip, uh, which I guess <laughs> like the tie I mean, was only available at J.C. You don't want to be jumping with that tie flapping around in your face. Like it's just to look presentable. Now that I've looked presentable. I'm out of here. Magic Mike that shit. Magic yeah. Mike that shit. Surprised didn't rip off his pants. <laughs> he's got a whole. We don't know. Head. He's gonna we don't rip know. the sleeves off his shirt off. He's all. <laughs> it buff. was Channing Tatum yeah. and shit. Just like, <laughs> damn, that dude's ripped. <laughs> Sexiest skydive ever. <laughs> Mucklow, can you put a, put? Can you put on "Careless Whisper" by Wham, please? <laughs> uh, that song hasn't been made yet. It just has. <laughs> it God. just got I'm the inspiration. From the future. I'm fucking Loki, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a time traveler. Uh, but anyways, uh, they they can, this is a time period when DNA evidence uh, is at, at its genesis. So it, I was gonna say not even its infancy. It, yeah. It's like a sperm. Yeah, it's it's, it's an amoeba. <laughs> yeah, so they're not able to pull that much DNA. They have all this still, I guess, like in the FBI headquarters. So well, I heard they lost the cigarette butts. Yes, they did eventually. Yeah, yeah. but like when they were like vetting, like put, I guess <laughs> there was like trash. There's like <laughs> uh, when they were so, vetting like potential like sees it in the, the evidence locker. They're like, who the fuck is just storing their stupid cigarette butts here? Throw that shit away. I mean, at that point, I mean, what would you do with it? You can't look up DNA evidence, so it is just basically trash. You're just like. 
He smokes marbles. I yeah. get it. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, we're going to arrest every marble guy. Like, yeah. CSI hasn't been a TV show yet. We don't know if there's comb everywhere that we can blacklight. And shit. Yeah, yeah. At this point, like, you know. <laughs> Spooched all over that pe- back cabin. People were just getting away with all. I mean, it was like, I think it was the OJ case when they were first introducing, like, DNA, DNA evidence. evidence. Yeah. So it was like, that's, pff, you got about 30 years to go before we can figure that True. shit out. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, they did keep it for a long enough time to where, like, they had potential uh, suspects that they were, like, they could cross out uh, due to, like, their DNA not matching and whatnot. But, yeah, like like you guys said, they kept it for a little bit, and they're like, well, what are we going to do with these fucking hairs or whatever, right? Yeah. So, you know, they gets tossed or well, conveniently shit, lost. It's gross. Apparently, yeah, the tie had, like, specks of, like, his DNA on it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's just, like, saliva that fell onto his tie or some shit. Come come like, he's like <laughs> uh, you know what really relaxes me bro <laughs> i'm gonna go in the bathroom and fucking just jerk one out real quick bro real who nervous, doesn't real nervous about this guy Devin. <laughs> yeah uh, take the edge off right here <laughs> uh but anyways so by uh december 6th of 1971 so about a month or about a couple weeks later uh the fbi uh they sent out an sr-71 blackbird uh, to retrace the Dope flight name, path. by the way. Yeah, I love that. Uh, you know, my grandpa actually worked on that airplane. Uh, but anyways, uh, retrace the flight pattern five times, photographing uh, anything that it can photograph, but turned up nothing because the conditions were so bad. So, I mean, they sent like the top jet that fucking, you know, our top, aliens. That, that was our stealth jet. That yeah. Was, that was like top of the line. Yeah, and they were able to turn up nothing. You know, in the retracing of the flight pattern. Oh, uh, we see a lot of uh, trees down there. Uh, I don't see anything else. <laughs> you, you know what? One thing that, I mean, not to skip around too much, but going back to that tie. So on the tie, I guess later down, more present times, they do find a lot of like... like soil or they find... Yeah, there's all kinds of... Metals. Precious metals. that are, a lot of them were used on like the construction of Boeing planes. And so a lot of people think like, well, he must have been working for Boeing or uh, Boeing and then like all that stuff. But one of the things that like, I feel like it's kind of underreported is if he was or if he was familiar with this plane, I'm sure whoever was doing all the analysis and gathering gathering this stuff was not being very careful with it. I don't want to say like I you know they it was probably cross contaminated at this point. Like it I was, can see that. Yeah. 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 I just feel like you know in the 1970s they were probably just like ah, put this in an airplane hangar for a while. We'll pick it up later, kind of thing. You know, ain't got. He didn't write his name on it, so he can't really do anything with it. You know, like throw it in the lost and found bin. Yeah, yeah pretty yeah. much. I don't. I don't think that they would be that careful with it. So and, all and this cross contamination could have just gotten on that thing. And the and the people that were anal- analyzing that tie, I believe it was in 1980. Or no, that no, wasn't in 1980. Um, uh, but whatever time, it was more recent times. It was actually like. It was like civilian sleuths. Yeah, they were taking the the samples off the tie and analyzing it. I mean, it was an archaeologist, it was scientists and whatnot, uh, but they were civilians. Yeah, and so they were getting this this tie after it had already been sitting around for a while. Well, because the FBI, after a while, did just kind of say, "Well, we think he died." Yeah, yeah, I that mean, was the official. Narrative. That's really convenient for you. It's like ah, we don't need to do the man search anymore. He's dead. <laughs> yeah, like because yeah, nobody had spent that money. None of those bills had turned up. So, I mean, just the simplest explanation for them was, well, with the the conditions the way they were, um, we're pretty sure he didn't he didn't he didn't stick the landing. Yeah. yeah. And oh yeah, by the way, one of the shoots that he took was a dummy shoot. So unless he like nailed it like perfectly with one of the shoots, yeah. like the other shoot that he had, like the backup one, it was sewn shut. 
And didn't they tr- they tried doing recreations of like here's how it would work, here's how it would do it if you did it at night. And it, at sometimes even like the experience like parachuters were like, yeah, we shouldn't do this while it's raining though, so let's not do it tonight. Because mm-hmm. like it kind of shows either the lack of experience or like this dude has some fucking he was the Michael Jordan of that shit on him like yeah to want to do this this like jumping out of a plane at night while it's raining and like. FBI agents trying to recreate this whole like thing where like let's not do it tonight because it's it's and that was one, not right and that was one thing that I saw too that like kind of confused me because like you would get that narrative from experienced uh, skydivers that 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 would say something and then the FBI would recreate it and they're like no it is possible uh, and like one of them was they said the experienced skydiver said if you jumped out of a 727 commercial flight the jet engines would burn you up. And they pushed out a, a 200-pound sled recreating, you know, the tail going up and whatnot. So they can pretty much conclude that, you know, within five minutes he jumped out. Did somewhere. not get burnt up in the yeah, exhaust. did not get burned up. Uh, they had a bunch of copycat um, uh, skyjackers that would recreate this. One guy that they think might have been D.B. Cooper, uh, a student from BYU, uh, he actually almost verbatim recreated the whole uh, so is the Mormon dude yeah this Mormon (laughs) motherfucker he jumps out of the plane exactly has no skydiving experience and is able to land it in the wilds of fucking Rockies of of Utah and so you see this like back and forth like saying like oh it's not possible and then you have all these like people have no skydiving experience nail it afterwards so it is one of those things where it's just like he may have been able to do it it sounds doable. Like I, I don't. I, it sounds very difficult and dangerous, but it sounds doable. Yeah, it's not impossible. Yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't like. It doesn't sound as like difficult as they make it sound. Like mm-hmm. this is kind of like, well, it's pretty <laughs> difficult to escape the police, but yeah. people still fucking outrun police chases oh, yeah. all the time. And, and that goes against the whole. Um, he had to be an expert skydiver. And I know that's one of the things they started looking for in all the suspects. Like, all right, was he in the military? Did he have, you know, paratrooper experience? And so those start becoming, you know, key suspects, you know, when you just assume that this guy has to be an expert skydiver to do all this shit. Because even when they were bringing him the uh, the parachutes, I guess Tina passed him, like, one of the, the instructions. Instructions, yeah. Yeah, and he said, ah, I don't need that shit. Yeah. So it's like, all right, either he's really ballsy and confident <laughs> or he just knows what he's doing. Correct, yeah. And and, and either of those is just as likely. Yeah, I mean, because you do, you do, for a fact, this is the golden era of fucking sky piracy. You had all these novices being able to recreate what he did afterwards. Yeah, it's like, I get it. You pull the ripcord, thing comes out. Yeah. I've seen enough Wiley Coyote to know how this fucking shit works, right? <laughs> and uh, it is worth noting too. You guys mentioned that you know the two two hundred thousand dollars was never spent. Uh, Nineteen seventy-two, uh, eighteen days into March, uh, and eighteen days into April, you know they did uh, a, an exhaustive search of the area in which they believe that you know he might have uh, you know landed, uh, and they were able to find nothing. And then the FBI. Also, around this same time, uh, they rele- they release a list of ser- the serial numbers for the $20 bills to banks, casinos, racetracks, and anywhere where large amounts of currency would have gone through. So, you know, he's able we to like, try to wash that money. Correct. And nobody was able to get those serial numbers. So then they start, you know, releasing this out, you know, into the general public saying, hey, we'll give you $1,000 if you're able to find these serial numbers. And none of them came into effect until 1980. 1980. 
uh, when a Brian Ingram, uh, he was fucking around in the Columbia River uh, with his family around a, uh, a, a section of shore called Tina Bar, and he actually comes across three packets of $20 bills totaling in an amount of $5,800. So uh, two complete stacks of 20s. Uh, and then uh, one incomplete stack of 20s where they were kind of like falling apart and whatnot. But the serial numbers on the 20s that were able to be this discerned was the money. was the D.B. Cooper money. And they think they let him keep some of that. Yeah. yeah. I think he actually yeah, he kept, yeah, kept but, most but of it. Payday for that kid. Yeah, he put it on eBay or <laughs> a very infant. Well, no, he did sell the money afterwards. Yeah, for like $3,000 yeah. or some shit. Yeah. He- he knew, All right. he knew how to play the game. That kid was hustling. Hell yeah. <laughs> so okay, so so at got this, him an IROC Camaro after that. <laughs> at this point, like the likelihood, like all points pointed to dead, right? I mean, it has to. Or one of the theories goes that that money that they found, that's misdirection. That they took that money, they placed that money there. So that way, you know, authorities are looking over in this direction in, in the fucking Columbia River. Meanwhile, we're, you know, out of out of the country. It's like, mm-hmm. all right, well, if that money wasn't spent in the country, where mm-hmm. could that money have gone? Yeah. I've I kind of wondered this because I don't know like how money laundering works, but money laundering in a foreign country, like, would they be looking for that? If it stayed like circling in, in a foreign country? If, if they hadn't been informed of it, I don't know. Like if he if he went, if he was like, well, I'm flying towards Mexico, but really he's going the other direction. Like he goes Cambodia. back up to Canada. Yeah. Like, could he just be like, now nah, I'm in Canada. I'm going to money launder this shit. Just buy like a bunch of baseball cards and like <laughs> trade for whatever it is. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. It, it, it seems doable, but it seems like, man, this is a pretty like complicated plan. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be its own podcast Finding TV Cooper. Yeah, like in itself, like with all the theories and all the suspects. Because there's so much unknown, and it then you just have speculation about Correct. the little facts and details that we do have. Yeah, and then like even the facts that we do have are kind of like, like we were talking about. <laughs> like it's like it's all over the place. Like even the sketches, like the first sketch that comes out. Both stewardess come out and say, like, hey, that doesn't look anything like him, the composite A. Oh, no, it's totally one of those Unabomber situations where it's like, all right, so it's a guy, and he's, he's a man, he's got a face. Yeah. And he's uh-huh. got big sunglasses that hide his eyes. Like, okay, He's so got he- a big forehead in all the sketches, though. <laughs> yeah. Common denominator, this dude had a receding hairline. Yeah, but they call, like, the first sketch Bing Crosby. And like all of the, all <laughs> of the, does. all of the fucking uh, stewardesses are like, no, that's not what he looked like at all. And then one of the passengers was just like, yeah, that guy looks too white. I I personally thought like he might have been like Mexican American or, or Native Italian. American. He looked kind of he looked a little swarthy. Very that. Have you seen that show? I love Lucy. Yeah. You know that fellow <laughs> that Ricky Latino. Ricardo. Yeah, he's that Ricky Ricardo vibe to him. Yeah. Or, like, I know this show hasn't come out yet, but John Stamos, he kind of looks like a John Stamos <laughs> motherfucker. Have you like, seen... Could be Greek. Yeah. Have, have you seen that show, Batman, that gentleman that plays the Joker? <laughs> That's the other only, like, Latin... Cesar Romero. Cesar, <laughs> Cesar Romero. That's the only two, like, Latin dudes on TV. Yeah. It's ba- like, I love Lucy and, and the Joker. Ricardo yeah. Maldabom. Baller move. Would not shave his mustache. Like, no, nope, just oh, paint, paint, paint it over, it, dude. Yeah. Paint that yeah. white makeup mustache, over it. That's mustache a, dude, you doesn't should, go. You should be that version of the Joker for Halloween, dude. It would fit. 
Yeah, I got the mustache. Yeah, I'd be like, yeah, he refused to shave the mustache. He just kind of <laughs> kept doing this. That is a move that I would make too. I'd be like, nope, <laughs> I look ridiculous without this. That'd be a cool version like, of the Joker. You don't see people doing. People do the Heath Ledger Joker way oh, too much. God, yeah. Uh, but speaking of the Heath Ledger Joker, uh, they had to come together and do a second sketch in like na- late late nineteen seventy two, uh, where they updated like his age, his skin tone, and his face shape. And even then, they still got that wrong because everyone was like, yeah, it looks a little bit more like him, uh, but it doesn't look like him at all. And then they kind of compromised and made an amendment to composite B and where, you know, he was a little bit darker, possibly Native American, possibly Greek. But maybe like, Italian. Maybe Italian. But still, he didn't look maybe like him at all. one of those Baltic countries. Yeah. Maybe Slovakian. It's like, <laughs> you don't even know what you're talking about now, do you? Yeah, at that point, yeah. <laughs> And so, like, even then, the, the sketches that we do have, and it will probably be the album art for this episode, it, it's not even the actual what he looked like at all. And I know Unsolved Mysteries, uh, they had Tina Mucklow, like, redo it with another forensic, you know, artist. Yeah. And she said, yeah, that looks more like him. What, Any- what, this, this guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. That, uh-huh. that, 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 the one they put up everywhere. Yeah. Dude, the, uh, the sunglasses get doper and doper in each sketch, though. Yeah. Like... But can we see his eyes again? Like when you do that, that kind of sketch, like the Unabomber sketch, where all right, he's wearing a hood that covers his hair, and he's wearing these sunglasses that cover his eyes. Like, okay, those are like details we need to know. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. But, I I like that he they make him more and more dark skinned with each sketch. Yeah. Like pretty pretty soon they're just gonna racial profile him and be like, <laughs> I think it was black. He <laughs> started out as a white guy. <laughs> it was Obama. It was like, Trump saw him too. Trump said he was black. <laughs> uh, but anyways, uh, what we do know uh, from. It's uh, Barack Obama. <laughs> he is thin. Uh, they did say that he was in his mid-40s. Uh, he was about 170, 180 pounds. He did have all an olive skin tone. Uh, he had no discernible accent. Uh, they do believe he was military trained um, because of his knowledge of the parachutes and you know how the plane worked and whatnot. Uh, he had an athletic build. Uh, they said he uh, spoke very intelligently uh, and that he used sophisticated language. The even the profile that the FBI used even looked at the drink order that he had, uh, which I believe was seven um, and seven. Yeah, seven up and what? Uh, seven and seven. What is that? Uh, uh, bourbon, bourbon and seven. Yeah. yeah, bourbon and seven up, mm-hmm. and that which at the time was something that in social circles would only be uh, a more sophisticated class. So it wouldn't be like some geek off the street, you know, like you know, unicycling down the streets of Portland or whatever. Like no, like it would be like somebody that you would it's hang no out. Pat's with. blue ribbon. Yeah, that's yeah. what the dude with the unicycle and the curly well, Q mustache. He, he yeah, was he just had, ordering like just a Jack Daniels or something. Yeah, no, he, he was hanging out with John Hamm. Like, he was doing some Mad Men shit. So they, that's why they believe, like, he worked at Boeing as, like, a manager or somebody higher up. Or, but, I mean, again, this is coming from the mouth of Mr. Cooper, so take this with a grain of salt. Uh, when uh, Tina Mucklow asks him, you know, why are you doing this? says, you know, it's, it's not because I have a grudge against your airlines. It's just because I have, I have a grudge. grudge. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe that's trying to throw people off or... Maybe he didn't want the money. Maybe he just wanted to show the world that, you know, very Joker-ish, you yeah. know, some men just like to watch the world burn type yeah. of thing. 
I see, I'm like a dog. I see, I see a car by, uh, go by, and I don't know what I'm going to do when I get it. And same thing with DB Cooper. You know, he whoa, got the whoa, money. Don't stress your voice out, dude. I can tell you were screaming last night. Yeah, <laughs> you just got back from WrestleMania. That, but well, just put that impression. <laughs> It's not typical Jacob Parr impression. I, I apologize. No, no, no. Don't apologize. Just go after this. Go get some some honey and some lemon and <laughs> take care of it. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, they did start looking at potential suspects. And you go to the wiki. I guess they had like at least eight hundred suspects on the FBI file. And then even even on the Wikipedia, I believe I counted like twenty seven or twenty eight people, and it was exhausting. I spent a whole day reading all their profiles. And when you start going through like what when they could be db cooper you're like yeah that's the guy and then it gets to like okay dna evidence doesn't support this or he wasn't uh, old enough at the time like or he was at home with his family on you know thanksgiving or the night before thanksgiving he was watching the detroit lions getting their ass big detroit guy so (laughs) there's a few people you know who came out and said they were db cooper and you know yeah. Confessions, confessions to their family. Deathbed confessions. Yeah. I like the Mormon one. You you kind of alluded to it, that guy who... So, all right, this is where, like, misinformation starts going everywhere. Because well, now it's just all speculation. Yeah. That somebody said that he left behind some other items. And one of the items was, like, a medallion from BYU University with his initials on it, which is, like, that's pretty... Like, that's like if I just left my ID. Like, come on, dude. If, if, you, if the, the one thing you had there was, like, your fucking, like... ID would be like, uh, did you leave this behind? This is very specific, dude. Like, like that you would think that the FBI could put two and two together at that point, but I don't know. Yeah, some of the some of the theories are just so over the top or like so like random that or that he was a CIA operative. And that's why anytime the FBI got close, the CIA would shut him down. Yeah, that's, that's why they used the SR seventy one Blackbird. Yeah, yeah, because it was it was one of their guys. They were trying to cover it up and shit. Yeah. I heard that theory too. Again, like a training huh? exercise or something to like see if it could be done. I don't know. I have no fucking idea why. Why? Yeah. Uh, yeah some of these. I mean, some of these theories are really mm. just people trying to take these dots and trying to connect them and make a picture. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the one theory that I thought was like the best. I mean, again, you look at all the the, the prime suspects, and one suspect even has his own Wikipedia unto himself. I believe it's like the first one when you get on the Wikipedia and whatnot. You read it, and you're like, yeah, that's the guy or whatever. Who was that, Robert Rockstraw? I believe so. Well, that's the one they did in the... uh, Oh, sorry, with Robert. Yeah, that was the main guy that they were following in the the Netflix documentary. But even then, like the... uh, like the lead investigator guy, not not the FBI investigator. This is like the guy who's privately investigating. He's putting his own money into this thing, and I think just when, when you have actual time and money invested into this, and you think this is the guy, like he convinced himself this is the guy. Yeah, and so he's really just so like on this guy about no, no, this is the guy, this is the guy. He's it's absolutely if he's so innocent, why is he hiding? It's like because you're fucking hounding him. Like yeah. <laughs> if you came up to my house and we're like, are you DB? Cooper, we're like, go the way, is go he, the fuck away. You he, do have olive toned skins. Is he the one that buys a house? And like the reason why people don't think it's him is because he bought a really modest house. Like that was one of the things I saw. Like one of the and it was all in cash. Yeah, one of the suspects was like he bought a house, but he bought kind of a modest house. So I don't think it was him. Like that was one of the things that was like I, I forgot which one it was, but it was just like that's kind of weird. Like they just let him off the hook because it's like the house he bought, kind of within his means. So. 
you know, but isn't that what you would do? Like, I mean, there's people that like win the lotto and like spend like, well, I'm going to buy a golden Lamborghini. Well, well, it's a turning point in Goodfellas where fucking Robert De Niro starts offing people because they make that big Lufthansa heist. And then he tells everyone, don't spend the money for a while. Don't buy anything extravagant. Yeah. And what do they do? They start bought buying a new car. Yeah. They bought a fucking pink fucking Cadillac and shit. And yeah. he goes, now I got to whack you because all fucking roads are going to lead back to us and shit. So, but yeah, nothing happens like that. Nobody buys any other than the, the very modest house that was within that guy's yeah, means. Like, he for just cash. moved to the nicer side of the east side. <laughs> <laughs> he moved a couple of blocks over or whatever, yeah. right? Where they have a, tar- a target being built and whatnot, right? Uh, but like, again, they don't find any of the money ever spent. Uh, and one of the, the things that I was leading into, cause I wanted there to be like a suspect where I can be like, yep, that's the guy that Jake Pixon thinks that, you know, did it or whatever. Right. Uh, but I was watching one of the documentaries and, uh, you know, they, they go over like where the money, you know, was found and he goes over and he goes, you know what? There was a lot of errors in where they thought that DB might have landed. They were looking here, there and everywhere. But when you look at when the money was found, it is very possible due to the wind conditions, due to the elements, that that's where the wind took him. He fell into the Columbia River. The money did wash ashore. And they try to say that, you know, that our archaeological uh, things were happening where they, they tilled the land or whatever. And he goes, when you look at the actual records, that land was never touched. So that's why... Uh, Brian Ingram was able to find that uh, money is because that land was never touched. He goes, what probably happened is, is he fell into the water. He has this parachute uh, that is on him. It's cold as fuck. He probably died of hypothermia. Oh, yeah, by the way, uh, because they were trying to say that, oh, it's impossible for the Columbia River uh, to take the money in that direction because it went downward as opposed to upward. And that it just didn't make sense but if you have ships which the columbia river did have what probably happened is is he sank far enough to where the chute probably got caught in some kind of propellers he still had the most of the money attached to him and oh yeah by the way the ship goes in that direction and the columbia river and gets empty- dragged yeah get, yeah he gets dragged and the columbia river empties out into the ocean and what probably happened is is db cooper's body as well as the rest of the money is at the bottom of the ocean somewhere, which I, to me, I was like, you know what, Occam's razor, that's probably what happened. You, you know, we covered the uh, missing 411 cases um, a couple of years back, and one of the things is like, they'll have, you know, person X, and he went missing exactly on this hiking trail. So we know, like, he's got to be within three miles of, like, this hiking trail. So, like, the field is, like, pretty narrow. Here, it's, like, much wider. Correct. And then to me, it's like, if he landed, let's just say he he landed, this is also grizzly bear country. So, like, a grizzly is going to probably eat the shit out of everything. They're scavengers, decomposure. These The elements are out there, hypothermia. Like, you know, it rains, it snows. Like, this is a pretty, like, moist thing where it's, like, there could be, like, five inches of fungus growing on top of this <laughs> thing within, like, a year. So, yeah. like, if you don't find it in the year one, you might not find it i mean people head out with like camping gear and like water and food and they still get lost and and dead like he went jumping out of that plane with nothing but a bag of money <laughs> and loafers <laughs> yeah. in in he didn't november even have his tie on. yeah in november on <laughs> a rainy night yeah it's like this is a tourniquet uh his leg after <laughs> he uh lands on a tree branch or something <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean or he could be stuck in a tree and that's why we never found the parachute yeah, or something. probably too yeah i, I mean, don't know and then again, like, I mean, you look at like Portland, like it's always, you know, foggy. It's always, you know, and like you said, a, a black bear, I think, yeah, black bears can climb trees. Grizzly bears can't. 
Black Bear could get him, drag him out, take him to a cave. And that's probably why you didn't Might have dragged him into a cave. That cloth, I mean, it's it can decompose if it decomposes fairly quickly. Well, I mean, there was some people who did some searching around. They, they kind of expanded their search area, and they found um, what looked to be like some nylon cording. Mm-hmm. And these people jump into the conclusion like, oh, that looks like it could be a parachute cord. Like, um, no. Yeah, just that, just just a piece piece of fabric, man. Yeah, I mean they did. Nylon's find... pretty common. That could be a piece of a backpack, could be a piece of a parachute, could be a piece of uh, I don't know some tent material. Correct. You, you have no idea what that is. The only thing they did find was uh, it was like a metal sign, you know, for the aft stairway. I think they found it like about three years later and whatnot. Like somebody yeah. was hiking and whatnot, but it was in a different. Again, and this is why this case is so confusing. It was in a different area in which they were searching. So the drop area for D.B. Cooper has been amended like six or seven different times, especially, too, when you get come to the conclusion that, like, oh, when he drops the staircase, that sign that was found was a few miles, if not like a, an hour away from where they were searching at to begin with. So it's just yeah, like, so how does that... Fallen, flown off, been carried by an out. You don't know. Yeah, exactly. There's so many unknowns in this case, and I think that's why so many people get into this thing. And you could really go in deep on this thing, but I mean, you're not going to come up with nothing. With, with yeah, much of anything. Yeah. So I mean, I I mean, we can go on for another hour with like the suspects and all this stuff and whatnot. Uh, but what did happen from this? The, I guess the silver lining, if you will, with this case. We're never gonna find. We're not true crime detectives or whatever. Like we're not gonna yeah. solve the the mystery of fucking DB Cooper. Uh, but what did happen was is that all aircrafts uh, were retrofit. Seven twenty seven specifically were retrofitted with what's called a Cooper vane, uh, as well as peepholes from the cockpit. So that way, you know, you can you know in case this happens again, you know, the pilot's able to see what's going on, to be able to be able to monitor it, as well as that Cooper vane uh, would keep the stairway from. Co- coming open well it keeps it shut from the outside so you can't open the door just from the inside this thing is locking it from the outside so the door won't open yeah so you actually have to be landed to be able to open it so jimmy carter can come out and i'm assuming that's <laughs> who the president went, or, or nixon or wherever is, is coming out there blue the bear from tailspin can come out of there and whatnot and king louis can refuel his airplane and whatnot uh but you know from this though uh, after this happened, 31 hijackings happened between 1972 and 1973. And because of this, they started implementing the air marshal service as well as search searches. Once you go into the airport, uh, as well as metal detectors and, you know, eventually it would become like the TSA and not or whatnot. I guess apparently we can't trust people getting onto planes anymore. <laughs> apparently. You like, got to show your ID now. Yeah. And I guess there was a major pushback that this was a violation of people's Fourth Amendment rights. But again, when the greater good out, you know, outweighs. Oh, it, it's a minor inconvenience. Yes. My gun control. <laughs> Listen to the Patreon. But uh, that's how you we came to the, where we're at today. And oh, yeah, by the way, hijackings took... A, not to make this analogy, took an incredible nosedive after this uh, because yeah, phrasing man, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah there wasn't there was no longer a golden hour of air piracy after this. Do you uh, do you guys have a theory that you like at all, or any guys you know anything in particular? You guys think he's dead, or he's oh. obviously probably dead. No, yeah. I, I think he's dead. Yeah. Yeah. If he did survive, he's dead now because he, yeah, yeah, he was yeah. in his forties and the seventies. So, uh, yeah, just all, all all the suspects, you know, either the ones that had some kind of military training or had some 
some flying experience, some aviation experience, some people who were, you know, who work for the airlines and then looking at their motives like, oh, they needed money for this. You know, this this guy is his girlfriend's kid was sick and like now all, all these like, again, just heavy speculation just on your you're trying to say, all right, did this person have the experience to do this? Did they have the motive to do this? And like you're you're starting like backwards. Yeah. And like none of those are prerequisites for for committing this crime. Like mm. he could have just done it just because he was greedy. Yeah, like he was the Joker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he died. I think he must have like <laughs> fell, maybe hit a tree, like broken bones, and then been like, "Fuck, I'm stuck here." And then a bear just like drags him, like <laughs> like, like the beginning of Cocaine Bear. Do you see that one? No, no I do want to watch Cocaine Bear yes. though. It it delivers everything it promises. Nice. It's like it's like snakes on a plane. Yeah, you know what you're getting into when you go to that movie. Nice. <laughs> I I do like the theory that I brought up earlier, where you know the boat drags him, and now he's at the bottom of the ocean, kind of thing. Because you got to look at it. You can't find none of the none of the money has really been found. I can't think of a way how to launder it to where like something hasn't popped up between then and now. You well, know, in today's times. Well, I mean, I I don't know enough about how you would exchange that currency in like another country. Like if he went to Canada or he did indeed end up going to Mexico like on a like a double reverse bluff thing. Like I say I'm going to Mexico so they won't think I'm going to Mexico, but I really am going to Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody yeah, will suspect yeah. that. Psychological game. Dang, yeah. he got me because like, I was like, hey, I'm gonna no throw a rock right going now. To Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think the likelihood of him obviously dead now, but the likelihood of him surviving the the, the drop is pretty low. Even even though it is possible, I would still say it's pretty low unless he had an accomplice, you know, that met him at the river and is like, All right, let's get out of here. But even then though, like it's like he if we believe the the pilot, where it's just like the pilot was calling the shots, like how would the accomplice again, we're living in an era before cell phones, how would the accomplice know where to meet him at if the if on the fly Yeah, that's a pretty the, wide mm. range to drop off in and, yeah. and have somebody pick you up. Yeah. Yeah. Also, the the pilot though, like the fact that it's like, hey, D. Cooper, are you still back there? Like, that's the part that I was like, man, the pilot's kind of dumb too. Like, yeah. the pilot was just like, you didn't even know if he's uh, left. Uh, a- Mr. Cooper, can you uh, please uh, pull up the staircase? We need to uh, in the upright uh, position. Uh, in an upright position, for we can make a uh, a landing at uh, Reno. <laughs> the, yeah, I mean, the fact that they didn't even know if he was still back there was like, oh man, maybe he like literally like. He knew like all right, this part. It's like going to LA, right? Like it's like, all right, we gotta go to, you know, Grill on LA. Well, the first part of the the trip is like they're gonna be the same regardless. Like you gotta go through the mountains. Yeah. So like maybe he knew that. It's like, all right, as soon as I see that fucking smoky the, Yeah, I see the Pyramid I, Lake. I see the Smokey the Bear sign saying help, that's where I'm gonna jump. Like yeah. I don't care about the rest of the thing. Like he might have chosen the streets and all the shit l- later down the line, but he knew, like, that's where I see Pyramid Lake. Well, I'm, probably I'm because, out. yeah, within five minutes, that's when he started, you know, his his action, you know, to jump out of the plane and whatnot. So, yeah, you're probably right on that. Uh, but who knows? I mean. Well, and, and the shoot he used out of all the shoots was was a military shoot. And those don't have uh, great steering capabilities because usually when you drop soldiers, you just drop them. It's not like. Oh man, there's much fighting over here. I'm gonna steer this way. <laughs> like, you don't want your soldiers to have that choice. You just want them to drop, fall. Yeah. So now I'm convinced that he survived, dude. Oh, okay. 
Uh, I don't know. I don't know. This is a, it's, it's a cool case. It's it's an interesting case. I can see how you know all these years later. I did see on YouTube. There's a YouTube thing where like Shell Sonnet is like, I know who DB Cooper is, and it's like, I'm not gonna click on that. Oh, Shell Sonnet. Yeah. yeah. I was like, yeah, I don't. I'm pretty sure I don't need to click yeah, on this. Yeah. No. Um. I mean, the investigation was suspended in 2016 by the FBI. Uh, but in 1976, since there is uh, a statute of limitations for what he he did exactly, they did do something where they kind of p- p- placed it as a violation of the Hobbs Act, where you know they 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 did that you know because of train robbers and whatnot, where there is no statute of limitations. Uh, so I mean, if any new evidence comes to fruition and he's in some retirement uh, home somewhere, being visited by Chael Sonnen in Portland, <laughs> yeah. you know, weekly. Uh, you know, the FBI can come in and arrest this, like, 98-year-old man and shit. So yeah. uh, the the investigation has been suspended, uh, but the warrant for his arrest is still active. So if you got any information, don't hit us up on all the social medias. Contact the Portland uh, Police Department. Portland PD. Yeah, PPD. Ra- raccoon Police Department. <laughs> the Rocky Raccoon <laughs> Police Department. But anyways, con- guys. Con- contact Unsolved Mysteries. Yes, Robert Stack. Do you, a maybe, weekend- maybe you can help solve a mystery. Did Do- you guys know <coughs> that there's an Unsolved Mysteries podcast? No. No. Dude, I just found it a few weeks ago. It's good. Really? A lot of true crime stuff, not enough like alien stuff, like stuff like that, but it's pretty good. I got to admit, at first I was like, oh, man. Every time that they give you a case... It's like just enough of a curveball where it's like this is an unsolved mystery. I got to get to the bottom of this. Like I don't know. Good podcast. They it, should do an AI that just like does like Robert Stack's voice throughout the whole episode. Yeah, unfortunately they do have another guy narrating it. He's got an all right voice, but okay. it ain't no no Robert Stack, bro. Yeah. I mean, if he's you, a goat. If, even the new uh, the new unsolved mysteries on Netflix. It's like oh, they cut the narration out. Oh yeah, cut the narration out. Just put the text on the screen. Like I like we, how they do the silhouette of like Robert Stack's where it's like yeah. Boom. Was uh, who do they have on after Robert Stack died? It was like oh, it's some like, like Jordy from Star Trek. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's that, it's that one guy who's always in like uh, he's in like mobster movies, but he's never like the main guy. He's like one of the henchmen, yeah, one of the capos. Yeah, yeah. I know. Exa- I got the face in my head. I just yeah. don't know the Joey name. Diaz. <laughs> Listen this up, you cocksuckers! Fuck, Listen up, this cocksucker did it. I know he did. Let me tell you something. I'm gonna kill you. Yeah, uh, maybe, maybe you can help solve a mystery guy. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Forget about it. Forget about it. I know we. I, I know. I always ask you guys everything else. I'm sure you guys do. But uh, what do you guys want to end on with DB? Uh, I want to end on. Um, this goes back a little bit to the uh, the Patreon podcast, and just don't don't go looking for the answers that you want. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of people doing that in this case, and the. You, a lot of people have a hard on for a certain suspect and they try and make that suspect fit into into the narrative and they're they're cutting that puzzle piece yeah. so all the corners you know yeah, yeah. match up like they'll they'll disregard <laughs> a lot of other evidence and only focus on certain evidence cuz that that makes their case so go go looking for the truth not the answer you want correct yeah i think you know this case reminds me a lot of like the zodiac killer where there was all these yeah. like people that were a potential suspect this guy fits this this the dna doesn't match this guy um so yeah i agree with you like you shouldn't just go out looking for him but then i also think like people people definitely do want the sexy answer they want him to be like oh it turned out it was fucking a time traveler it was a fucking elon musk from the future or something (laughs) like that like but it's just like 
it could also be just a guy who like was down in his luck and was like, let's fucking try this. Like again, mm-hmm. everything's fucking going wrong. I lost all this money in the stock market, and then if I die, I die. And yeah, like John Hamm bear. fucking fired me from <laughs> Mad Men and shit. Yeah, a grizzly bear got me. I'm yeah. done. Like <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio to me yeah. and shit. Um, yeah, I said everything that I I want to say, kind of thing. I think the funniest thing is is that I first heard about this case from Kid Rock. I guess what <laughs> is that fucking in that I, I had to look it up because I was like, what kid in rocks ball with the ball? Yeah. Yeah. In ball with the ball. When he says DB Cooper and the money he took when I was like, whenever I was like, how old, however old I was when that song came out, like 11 or 12 or whatever, I was like, who the fuck is this DB Cooper? So I had to get on like the fucking dial up internet and fucking look this yeah. up. Oh, I was like, what is that? I, I, you made that noise and I was like, what the fuck is that, dude? Are we getting a fucking. Amber alert. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the dial-up, man. You got to get that dial-up signal going. Don't, yeah. Mom, don't pick up the phone. I'm trying to use the internet. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, so shout out to Kid Rock for putting me up on game on DB Cooper. It's weird how, how much, like, this thing has taken off and there's, like, uh, Cooper, Cooper Cons and DB yes. Yeah, I saw like, that. Yeah, all these podcasters coming out of the woodworks and everybody's got their theory and just, like... Man, find find a better hobby. Yeah, <laughs> go play Dungeons and Dragons or something. Honestly, yeah, that'd yeah. Be, be better that use point. your time. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was a bunch you, of like you could old... have a level level twelve warlock by now, brother. <laughs> I don't know what it is about this case that it's like so popular. I mean, that is one of the things. Like, it was cool. Guy got away with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's probably it. That that's why it became so popular. It was just like everyone loves the bad guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, anything else? Tell you, mommy, booba, too. Shout out to Jack, but tell us Warren. And with that said, guys, my voice is fucking dissipated. I spent four and a half hours yesterday at SoFi Stadium <coughs> yelling at WrestleMania. Shout out to Rey Mysterio for spanking his son <coughs> in the ring. <coughs> anyway. I saw that. I saw, like, Bad Bunny helped him, like, spank his son or something. Yeah, and shout out to Rhea Ripley for winning winning the SmackDown Women's Championship. She is a dime. But anyways, guys, if you got anything to add to the D.B. Cooper case, guys, hit us up on all the social medias. Except for Twitter, we are at RJacobDoA1, because goddamn, son. That's just how a steak is done. Amen, baby. So, A1, get at us for that sponsorship, because I do love your hot mm. sauce, so. Chef's kiss to that. Uh, if you have, uh, if you want to help, they make su- hot sauces now. Oh, steak, steak sauce. sauce. Oh, I was gonna say, like, dude, that sounds like it would be. Oh um, man, you, you know, know what they extremely, do? Make hot- extremely buttery but good. Oh, I was gonna say, put put a little sriracha in your in your A one. Just kind of stir it. They up do a little have bit. that. They S- do sriracha A one. Oh, that sounds delicious. Yeah, they do. It's at Walmart. It's your local grocers at Walmart and shit. Mm. So they do actually have that. That wasn't just a fucking uh, mispronunciation by oh, me. But I was, gonna, I was gonna marinate sauce. some some chicken later on with some fucking. Korean barbecue sauce, mm. but I might I might see if I can find that spicy barbecue or something. Spicy A one, yes. Spicy A one, yes. And tr- Trader Joe's got a really awesome sriracha barbecue sauce. Ooh. Sriracha garlic barbecue sauce, fucking mm. amazing. Sounds, Sounds delicious yeah. right now. So get yourself down to TJ's, get that shit. There you go. Uh, but anyways, guys, if you want to help support this podcast in any way, guys, head on over to the Patreon where we put together a bonus episode for your listening pleasure. So if you like us here. You'll love us over there. And with this said, with that said, this week is no exception, where we put together a marvelous Patreon for your listening pleasure with the great and powerful Vincent Cruz as well. So head on over there. I don't know where that powerful is coming from. I'm I'm really not. 
these these biceps right here that I've been staring at all day, boy. I don't even bench, man. <laughs> it's just natural. I, I skip arm day like every day. Natural Mexican <laughs> machismo over here. Uh, but anyways, donate $1, donate $5, donate whatever you want, but you get a bonus episode every single week. We make it worth your while. So if you want to help support us in any other way, guys, head on over to the official website at com. Head on over to the merch links. Uh, we, were, we currently have four designs up. Uh, so if you are at the Portland airport uh, recreating the D.B. Cooper heist, <laughs> uh, the flight attendants will see your fucking Art and Jacob Do American t-shirt. Hey there. That's a nice shirt. Yeah. So they'll listen to our podcast. Uh, they'll <laughs> listen to this podcast in particular and know like, oh shit, I need to keep my eyes on this individual. He might try to fucking... You might DB Cooper me. Yeah, DB Cooper me. So, and then know that you know Red Dynamite does not exist. It has to be brown. But anyways, guys, support us there. If you want to hear other great podcasts, guys, I highly recommend heading on over to the Podbelly Network, where we are official members of the Podbelly Network, guys. So head on over there, like other great podcasts such as such as our boys at the world famous Sofa King Podcast, Hillbilly Horror Stories, and Robots for Eyes. But with that said, guys, my voice oh, is and and mine. But oh, that's right. Yeah, I also, we also have another podcast on there. That is Path of Legends, uh, season one. Season two will be coming out. I don't know. <laughs> I, I hate it because it, it ends on a cliffhanger, and I, I really want to try and finish this <laughs> up. But uh, we, we lost some people. Oh, we're, we're really just trying to put this thing back together here. Make a chicken salad out of chicken. Yeah, something like Grits. That. But anyways, guys, check out Vince's podcast as well. If not, you can just join our podcast. It's all good. I love having you. Oh, no, I I love it here. It was a good spot. (laughs) Yeah. He brought donuts for us that we still haven't partaken in. I know. We got to bust that box open. Yes. Uh, So with that said, my voice is dissipating, guys, and I need some sugar in my life. So with that said, goodbye. Good night. Good night.